Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two story building. Beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. And if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Auburn Live Show. Glad you could join us on this Friday morning. Hope everybody's getting ready for an awesome weekend um, as we get ready for, I guess, I was going to say the last weekend before college football, but, but I mean, I guess that's true. I don't know if there's college football, there's NFL going on, but, uh, but it's here, man. It's basically here. So um, we're excited um, and excited to have on a great guest today. 
um, somebody that is uh, on the front lines of college football and 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 uh, and getting you the latest information and, and scoop and somebody that's a part of the On Three Sports Network now and uh, is an awesome asset to On Three Sports team. Matt Zenitz, Matt man, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How about you, Justin? I appreciate good. all that. Yeah, 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 man. You're you're awesome, uh, and we're we're pumped to have you, man. I guess first, just talk about. The move to on three, uh, a lot of people, I guess, from our sphere on the Auburn Live uh, side are getting used to Auburn Live and what on three is about. And on three is going to continue to grow. But, you know, you're on the national scene writing for for on three, I guess, just kind of fill people in on maybe why you made the move to on three, um, where people can can sort of find you now and sort of what your focus is for for helping build on three's national brand. Yeah, so I'd spent the, the last six years covering the, the SEC for AO.com, and we was kind of up in mindset that it would take something significant for me to leave there. I was very happy in, in that situa- situation. Uh, some of my best friends in this world uh, worked there, like John Talty, who worked closely with and, um, and had passed up some different things during the, the course of the, the past few years just because of being happy with that situation. But at the same time, I, I think you know the reputation that King Midas, a.k.a. Shanitary, has in our industry and have a, a lot of belief in anything that, that Shannon is involved in. And the, the more I heard about the, the overall plan for one three, the more excited, confident uh, became about it, the more wanted to be a part of this team that, that he's building. So as much as possible for me on a daily basis, without trying to sound generic, just trying to stay on, on top of things and lead the way from a news and information perspective. I obviously still in touch with a lot of people around the, the SEC and that even being in a national role will still probably be the, the focus for me more so than anything else. So uh, just keeping me busy. Hey, as I know you're busy covering Auburn, definitely busy on my end, especially the closer that we get to the football season. Absolutely. Um, well, let's start with let's start broad and talk a little college football, and then we'll kind of get into Auburn. And, and I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts and perspective on on the Auburn program and some different things right now. I'll, obviously, college football right now is wild. Um, you know, with with obviously the Oklahoma Texas news was was crazy during media days, and then you know, and then we have the Alliance stuff this week. Which I'll be honest, I tried like I saw it, but I was like, look, I don't. I just almost don't just don't even I'm, I almost went mute. Like, just don't I don't want to hear it until it's something's official. Like, I just didn't understand what I was watching um, with this with this alliance thing. What was your take on what the heck that was? And it, how hilarious was it, by the way, the next day, LSU and USC are like, we're playing against each other, which is so funny. But like, what what is your take on the alliance? Like, what was the purpose of that? I, I think we're like minded when it comes to that. I, I think it was just very much premature for that and to have anything from a, a, a press conference standpoint, especially considering there's just not a, a lot that, that's been uh, finalized right now and everything seems like it's still very much in the beginning stages in terms of them even figuring it out. So to, to me, that should have been nothing more than a press release. And there, there just wasn't a lot to take away from that press conference the other day, but they're just interesting, interesting times and in, in college football right now with that being part of it. And you're you're obviously there's no downside to the Oklahoma, Texas move to the SEC as far as you're concerned and as far as the SEC sh- should be concerned, right? I mean, that was that seems like that's a great move all, all the way around, right? 
and to, to premier programs, college football, and just up the, the level of competition even more in SEC and make SEC football, which already is very interesting on a, a week-by-week basis, as you know, uh, even more interesting moving forward whenever they, they make the official move to the, the conference. Yeah, which is who knows when that's going to happen, but that's going to be – yeah, it was a move that SEC – I mean, that was a no-brainer. And any conference would have done that. Any, any conference. Like, I don't want to hear about – you know, ethics or, you know, I heard the Big Ten, Kevin Warren's trying to take some shots about ethics and we, we want to do things a certain way. And I'm like, come on, come on, man. I mean, like if, if Oklahoma and Texas would have knocked on your door and been like, hey, we'd love to join you, you would have done the same thing and they would have taken them in no, no matter the backdoor talk dealings or whatever. Um, so I thought that was interesting. That was just the, the domino effect. So obviously yeah. that was the, the, the first significant domino of what's going to be a lot of dominoes that fall moving forward. So we will see now because each conference is going to figure out the best course of action for, for them moving forward. And we will see how the alliance and all factors into all of this, but it, it's the first of what's going to be many dominoes during the course of the, the next few years. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're in the SEC, you should feel somewhat secure. I mean, the SEC is in a great spot. You had Oklahoma and Texas. So when, when people ask me, hey, what does this mean for Auburn? Um, I'm like, well, they're in the SEC, and it, the SEC just got a lot better. And in more of a, you know, they're, they're in a stronger position now. So if the SEC is in a stronger position and you're Auburn and you're one of the premier programs in it, then it's got to be a good thing for you. So I get the competition thing, but – Look, Auburn's already got Alabama and Georgia every year. I mean, it, it don't let's it doesn't matter really. Let's add more. Who cares? I mean, for Auburn is in terms of football, it's hard to get much harder than like the schedule they've played the past three, four years. So, um, but let's talk about Auburn a little bit. Bunch of change, obviously. Brian Harson coming into the program um, and in a tough schedule in year one, really tough schedule. Some people say it's the toughest two, three. I mean, it's right up there. Um, what are kind of your impressions? I guess go back to because I haven't I haven't really gotten your impressions on the Brian Harson hire. Um, was that surprising to you? Did you know about you know? Did you know much about him at Boise State? What, what's kind of just your overall impression of the fit of Brian Harson? You know, at Auburn, did a hell of a job at Boise State and kind of came on the, the radar late. So obviously there were different names that uh, we were talked about and looked at throughout the course of that, that process. And he was one that came up late in the process, but I don't think there's anybody that can argue with just the, the job that he did overall at, at Boise and obviously in the beginning stages right now of, of building this at Auburn. But the, the big thing that I would say about Auburn going into this year is that I, I think they have a chance to be better than maybe what the expectations are on a national level, obviously aided by the fact that they brought in some, some impact guys from a transfer standpoint. So um, I, I'm sure you've heard some of the same stuff that, that, that I've had in terms of this defense. And I mean, this is a group led by Derek Mason that it should be one of the, the better secondaries, one of, one of the best uh, defensive back groups, not only the SEC, but maybe in the country have a, a couple NFL guys at linebacker and then to go along with those couple NFL guys, it could be McLean and Owen Paco. You, you have Chandler Wooten, who I've heard a lot of great stuff about during the course of the summer, fall camp, preseason, all of that. Seems like it's, it's been described to me just kind of on a quote-unquote different mission after opting out of last year and returning. And then uh, the, the defensive line was probably the, the biggest question mark. You can let me know if you felt differently going into fall camp, but to me that was probably the biggest question mark defensively yeah. going into fall camp. And, and it seems like it's, it, it's been that that group has been maybe a, a pleasant surprise. So you have 
Marcus Harris, one of those those transfer guys. Uh, T.D. Moultrie now is a, a veteran. I know we hear about T.D. Moultrie every single year around this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This year uh, may actually be poised to, to take a step forward and become the kind of contributor that maybe it looked like he would at different points during the course of the last couple of years. So I, I've heard good things about that group and he's contributed to me feeling like that defense is, is really in a good position heading into the year to be one of the better overall units in the SEC. And then obviously offensively, doesn't hurt having a guy like Tank Bigsby. So there are question marks more on offense, most notably with the, the passing game and, and Bone Nicks and receiver group, especially after losing the top three guys from last year. But having Tank, Tank Bigsby, never a bad starting point. No, not at all. And I wonder if Derek Mason is – like maybe we'll get into the season and, and the narrative will, will change a little bit. But I, I'm – I'm feeling like that's probably that's a hire that wasn't maybe talked about enough. And and maybe it's one that'll get more attention as the season goes on. Cause you, like you said, you're, you're looking at this team going, the defense has got a chance actually to maybe be a, maybe be a top four unit in the league. Um, if they can kind of figure out the tackle position and you look at Derek Mason, who's been obviously a head coach, who's been a coordinator, um, I could I could easily see us you know halfway through the season going, whoa you know this Derek Mason hire has ended up being a monster hire. I'm just not sure he got. I think everybody was like Harson at Auburn. How does that work? And I'm not sure how much attention Derek Mason got. Like how how good of a hire do you think that that is that was? Yeah, Derek Mason is an extremely respected coach, extremely respected defensive mind around the coaching world. And Auburn was far from the, the only school that was trying to hire him back when he was still available. So I, I know of at least one other SEC school that was very much interested in him for their defensive coordinator job, South Carolina. There, there was at least one Big Ten school that immediately comes to mind that had a defensive coordinator opening and it reached out to Derek Mason. Then there were other opportunities to go along with that. He's somebody who's extremely respected in the coaching world and I think will be a, an asset for Brian Harson and, and Auburn moving forward through at least this season. Yeah, of course, Derek Mason back on the practice fields um, this past Monday, I believe, <clears throat> although this last week has been a blur. But, um, you know, he had a positive COVID test, actually was vaccinated, still got COVID, uh, had an awesome message on Twitter about being back and encouraging people to to evaluate that. So good to have him back. Um, and then Brian Harson, of course, will be back on on Monday, he said. Um, from a football perspective, since we're since we're on that um, What's your opinion on the, the time off right now for, for Harson? I mean, he, he's obviously involved. He's watching practices live. Um, he's in constant communication. With technology, communication is, is obviously – that's so huge. But he's such a hands-on guy be, being at some practices. I mean, he's in the middle of it. He's, he sees a running back drop, drop a, 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 a fumble or miss you – know, he'll stop him and go over there and literally do the, do the handoff himself with him and work on things with him and – He's just in the middle of it, and he can't be um, that right now until next Monday. Um, how big a concern is this, like, to you? Is this is it something where you look at Auburn's first two games and go, well, look, they've he got Akron and Alabama State, so, you know, this shouldn't be the difference in, like, them winning at Penn State or having a chance to win there or something like that. But it's not ideal. I mean, right here in the last of fall camp to not have your head coach on the field, yeah. how big a challenge, it, like, is this? It would be more challenging if you were in a situation somewhere to like Georgia where you're opening up against Clemson. That would definitely right. make it um, more challenging. So I obviously this is less than ideal, especially as a first year head coach. But at the same time, I, I think that 
what we've all learned th th throughout the course of 2020 and, and 2021 is just how to adjust to different things that may have seemed even crazier pre-2020. So he's far from the, the first coach that has had to deal with something like this and having to be away for a, a couple of weeks. And I, I think with anything in life, most times it, it could always be worse. So it would be even more challenging if you were going into some sort of significant game against a, a Clemson or a Georgia yeah. or somebody like that. And it's where it comes down to just having good people around you that you trust and Obviously, I think he has that, and it's not like he's not able to be involved at all. Unfortunately, this will not be a long-term type thing, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the bright side would be like, well, I mean, they have this 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 adversity now, and so if they, if they encounter this during the season, their reaction should be, you know, we already dealt with it. Like if, 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 a, if a coach or a coordinator has to miss a game or – if a, a big time player has to miss a game, um, you know, maybe this little adversity the last week has, has prepared them in, in some way. We'll, we don't know. We'll see, we'll see how, kind of how it goes. Um, hey, we talked to Brian Harson obviously on Wednesday for the first time in a long time, not just since COVID. We haven't talked to him since I think the first scrimmage, um, which is like a couple of weeks ago, but um, he talked about the, the, the second scrimmage, which was last Friday that we, that we hadn't, you know, we hadn't, heard a whole lot about but he talked about the quarterbacks and he said they both did good things in the last scrimmage um but I, he he had more of a positive tone about tj finley than i've than i've heard from him or really anybody bobo anybody um he, you know he said good things about bo Nix and his decision making but he said tj finley's really coming on he said things are starting to click for him he likes his command in the huddle and just from watching him and the tone, I mean, you, 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 know, you know this. You can tell when they talk about him, you can tell the tone, like there's something there. Um, he said Bo Nix is still the starter, is still working with the ones. But um, what's your impression on those kind of comments on TJ Finley? And, I mean, is this is – it, is it – are we going into the season thinking at any point Finley could be the guy, Nix could be the guy? How do you think this is playing out and how do you think it, it impacts the team – going forward? Like, what's your take on the quarterback situation? Yeah, I mean, I'll go beyond the, the comments from Coach Harson and just share, share what I've heard. And, and it goes along with kind of what, what he alluded to during the, the course of the press conference. TJ's done some good things behind the scenes, and he's progressively earning the, the, the trust of the coaching staff. I think we all know about the, the big arm and different things that he brings to the table from a physical standpoint. And, and he's impressed trying to think of the right way to say it, but he, he's impressed and done some good things behind the scenes to where Bo is still most likely going to be the guy going yeah. into the year, the whole expectation. But the way it's been worded to me is essentially that maybe TJ could be a factor at some point during the year, especially if Bo struggles some. TJ has done well enough that warning that kind of praise, even if it is unlikely uh, that he is the guy to open the year. And it would have been challenging for him just coming into this kind of situation, obviously not getting here until the summer. Uh, it's different competing for a starting quarterback job compared to like a receiver position or a DB job or something like that to, to where maybe you can get there during the summer and uh, work your way up the, the depth chart faster. It's just tougher as a quarterback, especially when you're coming into a, a spot where you have an established starter who's been the guy going on three years. Now it just makes it a little bit tougher to, 
unseat him and, and win that kind of job. But that, that'll definitely be something interesting to, to follow going into the, the year, especially if Bo does struggle whatsoever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I, I've thought really since the last like week, I've thought it's Bo's job. Yes, Finley's in the mix, but you know, I felt secure saying it's it's Bo's job and that he would really, really, really have to falter. But I think that 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 now, I mean, with especially the last like week, week or two. Um, I think Finley's doing good things. So when we look at it, is it is it a deal where TJ Finley is rising, or is it a deal where you know Bo Nix is maybe just kind of plateauing right now? I mean, that's sort of how I see it. Is Bo Nix is sort of about the same and and is not really taking the leaps, and Finley's taking some leaps. It's not so much that Nix is terrible. Um, it's it's more that he's just sort of staying status quo at the moment, and Finley is rising and closing the gap. Is that fair? You know, that, that's exactly what I would say also. That it's not like Bo's stock is necessarily down. It's kind of state status quo, but TJ's stock is on the rise. That would be a good way of summing it up, which you did. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch uh, as well. So we look at the season, tough schedule, Penn State and, and LSU on the road, and, of course, Georgia and Bama and A&M and Ole Miss and, and everything they've got. Um, how do you see this season playing out? I mean, I, I've seen – some correct, you know, I've seen it Auburn anywhere from finishing last in the division to second. Somebody, I don't know where I saw on Twitter yesterday, so, somebody had Auburn finish second in the division, which I just don't. That would be um, pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, that would be like no injuries, offensive line just stepping up to the play. That, that would be an unbelievable scenario. Um, but where do you kind of see them in the division right now? Not just finishing this season, but you know, over the next couple of years, like where does Auburn fit in the mix right now as a program? Cause there's a bunch of schools and a bunch of programs that are jockeying for position, you know, Ole Miss is trying to get in there in Missouri and A&M and um, it's competitive, ultra competitive in that middle. Um, where is Auburn in there? Are they, and are they in danger if this thing doesn't work this year? Like, are they in danger of looking like Tennessee did if this hire doesn't work out? I mean, like, I feel like there's a really pivotal three, four years for Auburn. Yeah. I would put Auburn, I don't know, like tier two. So put Alabama, Georgia, tier one, as far as the favorites to win the conference, uh, Texas A&M probably 2A, and then would have Auburn in the group with like the, the Ole Miss, Ole Misses and LSUs of the world where maybe they're, they're not in that conversation to win the, the conference, but they're teams that are going to have coaches concerned every single week and are going to be a threat every single week, regardless of, of who they, they go against. That's kind of the, the category or tier that I would put Auburn in. And part of the reason for that is that defense that we obviously talked about. That defense is going to challenge anybody that, that Auburn faces this year just based on what they have. Not, not only from a coaching standpoint with Derek Mason, but just from a talent standpoint, that's a, as good a group as uh, that there is in the, the country defensively. And some guys – uh, whether it's Roger McCreary, Jacoby McClain, who uh, very much on the NFL radar going into the year also. 
Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's it's going to be a, a a really interesting few years. And of course, if you're Brian Arson, you've got man, you look, you got a ninety million dollar football facility coming next fall, which is which is just going to be going to be massive for them, years in the making. And and just like that, you know, now you've got a football facility that's as good as anybody in the country, a performance center. So that that's going to be really really huge. I'm really curious to see how how that changes things. I mean, they can already recruit; it can already be a help in recruiting now. But I'm curious to see how that changes things next fall. And, you know, can, can they really quickly, can they land some kind of elite talent um, that they've been missing the past few years, like at an offensive tackle position or, you know, something like that. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Hey, before we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Obviously got a big or a couple of big recruiting wins recently. So yeah. I know the class right now is a work in progress, but it's never dead when you have a single day that ends with, getting two four-star recruits. So at least have some momentum right now from a recruiting standpoint. Um, hey, before we go, SEC as a whole, how do you see it playing out this year? I mean, everybody just assumes Bama and Georgia. Um, there are some tricky games with Bama going to Florida and people think, you know, who can rise in the East, but everybody just basically is assuming it's going to be Bama and Georgia in the, in the, in Atlanta. Um, do you see it the same way? And, and, and I mean, and even a Texas team like Texas A&M, I think they've fixed things on defense. Like, I feel like Texas A&M has fixed some things on defense. And so that's why people are looking, that, looking at them differently now. And they've recruited well. But I think the defense is always a problem. And so they're like, oh, they're going to be better on defense. But you look at a quarterback that's inexperienced and you look at an offensive line that's replacing a whole bunch of guys. Like, are we properly evaluating A&M? Like, what's your take on kind of the race to the SEC championship? Yeah. So, so I'm one of those people that falls in the category of assuming it's going to be Alabama, Georgia. The, the <laughs> I'm guilty of that also. Yeah. Um, but hey, Alabama, I mean, I, I can tell you what the belief is internally there. So they, they feel great about that defense. So they, they've had some ups and downs defensively the, the last couple of years by Alabama standard, by, by Alabama standards. This year, they feel like that defense is going to look more like what you expect to see from an Alabama defense. And then even though they lose – three of the, the top five finishers last year from uh, last year's Heisman voting, including the, the Heisman winner, the Devontae Smith, they feel like they're in good shape offensively with guys like Bryce Young, who obviously was a top recruit uh, going back to the, the class of 2020. With Georgia, Georgia's just loaded from from top to bottom. Hey, as a quarterback, he's going to be one of the top guys in the country and just has a, a ton of talent around him. They're the clear favorite in the, the East with A&M. A&M's interesting. So for, for me – and I have a background covering the, the NFL, still keeping contact with, with people at that level. And I always like to, during the, the summer, talk to different guys from scouting standpoint or around the personnel world and just get a feel for what the perception is of draft eligible guys going into the year. That served as further confirmation for me that AM has a, a lot of, of talent going into the year. Unfortunately for AM, they, they have question marks at the most important position on the field with, with that being quarterback. So I, I know Alabama is in the same kind of situation in terms of having a, a first-year starter, but at the same time uh, have a little bit more confidence, at least in, on my end, in Alabama's quarterback situation compared to a and And that's not to say that um, A&M won't be fine at the, the quarterback spot. Um, obviously, they're, they're excited with him, the dual threat capability that he brings to the table and it started to separate himself during the course of the, the last couple of weeks. But with the, 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 the thing that I would say with them, if they can get good consistent play 
from uh, that position, they're, they're going to be very, very dangerous throughout the course of the year. And who knows, maybe even make a, a push in the SEC West wait with Alabama to uh, face Georgia or whoever it is in the, the SEC title game. But for them, it's going to come down largely to that quarterback hit position. What about Florida? I mean, yeah. I feel like I like I Dan Mullen's look. Dan Mullen is is. I mean, there's. I don't know how that team lost four games last year, but um, he, you know, he, I generally trust him with quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I think he's got the track record for that. Um, are they being overlooked at all this year? I mean, I or I mean, could could Emory Jones be like a revelation? I mean, could he be fantastic? Or do we just like? I feel like they're being counted out a little bit with 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 their quarterback situation. And I just wonder if Mullen couldn't really do some, some good things with them. Like what's your take on, on Florida this year? Put, put them in that same tier as like Auburn, Ole Miss, LSU. So I, I, I don't see them being an SEC title type team, but they're going to be dangerous throughout the course of the year. Obviously we've seen flashes from every gen before. Hey, it's gotten in and done some stuff. Even with Kyle Trask, he was there. And, and the big thing with Florida, Florida, had a very down year by Florida standards defensively. They feel good about where they are on defense heading into this year and feel like they should be better. One of the, the toughest things for them, obviously, is replacing uh, some of those skill position guys that they had uh, with Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. Uh, yeah. Not easy guys to replace by any means. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting over there with Kentucky and Missouri trying to you know trying to make noise and, and can Florida hold on to that. Maybe second spot. Yeah, Kentucky's going to be in good shape defensively. They, they have a few NFL guys on, on that defense led by uh, Josh Paschal as an edge defender. And then Missouri, I, I think Missouri surprised everybody on a national level with what they did last year. And they, they feel like as a staff, they're in position to build on that going into year two now. Hey, and real quick, just because you mentioned your NFL background, um, what do you hear about the Kentucky program? I mean, the amount of players they've put in the league – the last five years, uh, really Im- impressive. Maybe not being touted enough. Like, what what have you heard from from the NFL level in terms of Kentucky? And what do you think about the way they've, especially linebacker, but the way they've put people in the league? Yeah. Well, th- this year specifically, they have, and, and I'm trying to remember. My memory is terrible sometimes. Being old at, at 35 now, but I, I think it's three guys on that that defense that entered the year with draftable grades. So Josh Pascal's one who the, the Kentucky staff feels like he's going to end up going higher in the draft than what the grades are. So I think the, the grades are in the day three range right now. They feel like he's a, a day two or better type player. They have Marquand McCall on the defensive line who has draftable grades. There are at least some people internally there. They feel like he was an even better player last year than Quinn Bohanna, who uh, got drafted by, I think it was the Cowboys day three. And then they had Yusuf Corker at safety, who's kind of like a, a mid-day three guy going into the, the year. But I mean, being good on, on defense isn't really anything new for, for them. They've, they've been pretty solid um, the last couple of years. The big issue for them, uh, I mean, especially if you look at last season, was just deficiencies offensively and most notably at the quarterback position. But now they bring in Will Levis from, from Penn State, who – they, they feel like is going to put them in a spot where they're not going to have four game stretches during the year where they average hundred passing yards a game during the course of those four games. And if they had been better offensively last year, they, they would have won more games. The, the defense was an above average defense. It's just, it's tough to win games when you're getting that kind of production out of your passing game. Yeah. This, this, the success they've had by just having a pretty good defense and a running back is, has been pretty good. I mean, that, that year they beat Penn state in the bowl. Um, they, 
one of the more underrated players in the, the conference. Chris Rodriguez did some some good things last year. And we, we talked about impact transfers we, with Auburn. Kentucky has one offensively also we, with Wondale Robinson, who uh, is going to give them a, a legitimate big play dynamic guy or receiver that they were also lacking. Yeah, that's a good team to watch. All right, let's get out of here on this. Nothing like putting you on the spot, um, but it's fun. Why not? Um, by the end of the year, does Auburn have a chance? Not, not I'd say more than a chance because you're going to be like, oh, of course they got a chance. Like, could Auburn compete with and, and beat Georgia or Alabama by the end of the season? Or is that just too tall a task th- this year? I know crazy things have happened at Jordan-Hare, I know. But, you know, we know Georgia and Alabama are stacked this year, um, even though those games are at home. Is it too early to tell? What, what's, your, what's your take on whether Auburn, maybe by the end of the year, could have a chance to knock off one of those teams? If Auburn was playing Georgia-Alabama week one, I wouldn't be betting on on both those teams, and I'm sure that would be the case um, come later in the year also. But the the best thing I can say about Auburn is that I think regardless of who Auburn's facing, that Auburn should be in a position where it should at the very least be competitive. So, again, I'm not saying that I'd be betting betting on Auburn against either of those two teams, but I think Auburn is going to be a threat throughout the course of the year and it's going to create challenges uh, for whoever they play throughout the course of the season, even the, the Georgias and, and Alabamas of the world in, in different ways. And that's not making any sort of score prediction or anything like that, but especially just based on what Auburn has defensively and in the backfield with not only Tank, but, but Sean Shivers also, they're, they're going to create, create some challenges for uh, teams that they face this year. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it's going to be super interesting. They're, I won't, Auburn won't be as as good as I mean it's that 2017 team. I think is Gus's best team, the 2017 team. That that team top to bottom was was really really good. Um, and Auburn's not going to be that, but it, it is going to be interesting. Georgia and Alabama, what they're predicted to do this year, and they both got to roll through Auburn at the end. And you're going to have an offense that you know maybe you know, you'd think by then has found a rhythm. And who knows what that Auburn team is going to look like then? But um, they could have a say. Auburn could have a say in this in this whole big big thing, just like they did in seventeen, where they they rocked the boat, beating both those teams, and then of course, Georgia and Alabama just end up playing for the title anyway, which is which is amazing. Um, but we'll see how it goes, man. Matt, thank you so much for joining us, man. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. Sh- shout out your Twitter real quick and on three. Just give another shout out to that because people need to be following Matt and and reading on three because I mean he's really on top of it in terms of breaking news. That's for sure. The, the big thing I would say, uh, follow on 3com So uh, I obviously have done things cranked up during the course of the last month in terms of our coverage and be looking uh, on a daily, weekly basis throughout the course of football season to have people covered from an information standpoint, good, interesting stories, and just everything going on around college football. So it's definitely, definitely stay locked into on 3com throughout the course of football season. There you go. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, We had a good time, and we can't wait to chat with you again. Have a good weekend. We'll see you. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first 
$5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.